one of the most difficult parts of having Home Sweet Home, which was the house that I had for 11 years. And I opened it up and I moved in guys who were completely off the derech, thrown out of home, guys who were homeless, guys who were confused about whether they're straight or gay. And I didn't know anything. I had no training. It was absurd. But I opened up the home and guys started coming to me. And over the course of the 11 years, many of them told me that I was the first person that they ever opened up to to say that they were sexually abused as children. And it was extremely difficult for me because I was a regular guy, 30, 32, 34, 36 years old, taking guys off the street and being nice to them, no training, no idea what this was. I mean, I understood, but I had no experience, Baruch Hashem, with this. And it became very common for people to open up. And the first thing that I did was I, I would I would cry with them. I mean, there's very few things that a person can tell you that are as devastating and disgusting and can ruin someone's life, like by saying that they were traumatized as a child, that they were defiled as a child. And there's a very big difference between trauma and childhood trauma, because trauma, if a person is 25 years old, 35, 45, 55, and they go through a terrible trauma, their brain developed, they have a sense of right and wrong, self-esteem, life, other things in their life, maybe they're married, maybe they have friends, they have a life. It's like baking a cake. The cake is already baked, and then it falls on the floor. It can get damaged. And trauma is terrible. If a woman gets raped, Rahman al-Itzlan, at any age, it's horrific. And there'll be triggers constantly. But she's an adult. And she can go for help, hopefully. And she can deal with it, hopefully. And it's not a secret, hopefully. She can share it, hopefully. And there's, there's hope. But childhood trauma is a trauma that affects your entire life. Because your whole development is destroyed. You lose trust. You, you have a fear. You have an anxiety. You have a low self-esteem. You're confused. You think that you're a target all the time. It does so much horrible things to a person's entire upbringing. It's, it's like their whole life is, is, is built with this inner, uh, and around this inner shame. And many times they're threatened, that's why they don't tell, or they're bribed not to tell, or there's so many reasons why kids don't tell. So not only they went through a trauma, but they can't even tell, and it's the secret that eats away at them. And there's a, it's the most confusing thing, but it is probably one of the worst things that somebody could tell you that you don't know. I can't think of too many other things that would be a secret that someone could share with you it's like maybe a homeless person that you give a dollar to and then you become friends every day and he opens up and he tells you, I had a hundred million dollars and my partner stole all my money and now look at me. And this is much, much worse. This is a life that could potentially be ruined. In other words, yes, there's hope to get help, but first let's understand how bad the damage could be. A person could suffer their entire life from what happened. So they exposed to me, they told me about something so devastating that 
the danger of the destruction of what they shared with me is something that destroys lives. Many people committed suicide because of this and are dead. Rahman al-Atzlan. I always say it's incredible because they killed themselves and they didn't kill the person who did it to them. We don't hear about murders. We hear about suicides. It, it, it makes a person so disgusted with life. I'm surprised that, that, that we don't hear more in the world about revenge. Every once in a while you do hear about somebody who went and for their kids and, and he killed the, the rapist of their child or something, but nothing compared to the amount of suicides of Rahman al-Islam victims Nearly every suicide is because of sexual childhood sexual abuse. That's a fact. And nearly all drug addiction is because of child childhood sexual abuse. And nearly all eating disorders and depression, severe depression, and all these, so much, so much could happen. It rips a person to the core, could destroy their self-esteem for their whole life, it could take them away from Hashem and their entire culture. It could rip them away from their parents and their family. It can make them homeless. It can make them drug addicts. It can make, it could, it could technically, and it does to many people, ruin their whole upbringing and their entire future. And there are some people that are blessed by Hashem that they're resilient. And even those people, some of them fall apart later on in life. And here this person is opening up and telling me this secret. What could be more devastating? So of course I would be devastated for them. There's no words. It's a personal holocaust of a, of, of a devastation of a child that probably had wonderful parents and a wonderful community. And now in the community, within, the, these kids were hurt by from people. And twisted brains and the things that they would tell them to manipulate them and trap them. There's no way that we could imagine the pain. And then, usually, they're judged by from people. Look at you, you're not sneeze. Why are you acting out? Why do you have this? A lot of times they look like they have ADHD or ADD and they get stamped with all kinds of stuff. And many times it's trauma. And their life is ruined and their life is a life of full of people not understanding them. And they feel like, don't you see that there's a, a knife handle? It's an invisible knife handle. Can't you tell? Don't you remember who I am, who I was, and now I'm so scared, and I'm not falling asleep at night, and I'm, I'm not able to wake up in the morning, and I'm not sleeping well, and I'm not behaving well? Don't you think I just became a monster? It's a trap by Hashem, because parents who are not trauma-informed have no way of knowing. So many of them punish, and many of them get bad advice, and that, that causes the child to have more pain, and to have lower self-esteem, and the devastation that's done by childhood, any kind of childhood trauma, is horrible. But when they can't share it, because it's a secret, and they're trapped, and they're manipulated not to share it, which most of the time that's what happens, especially if it's a, a family member, or a teenager, or an adult, yes, they have to make sure that this kid doesn't say so they threaten them and they, all kinds of ways of, of trapping and manipulating kids. And I had to deal with this. So the first thing I did was really, you can't even cry. There's not enough tears to watch a person who was gonna have this life because they're sweet and they're smart and they're caring and they're good. And they're good and they're good and they're good and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. And now they're like destroyed. 
and they don't see a future and they don't want to live and they don't want to get married and they don't want to bring kids into this world and they don't want to have a connection to Hashem and everything about their life that they would have had is ruined. Many times, the ones who I dealt with and the parents, about a thousand kids of parents that are under my care, their lives are ruined. It's almost always because of that. And they get stamped with mental illness because, yeah, they look like they have bipolar and they look like they have borderline personality and they look like and they look and they look because that's what trauma does. And so many times therapists don't understand and psychiatrists are not prophets. So they just tell you what the behavior looks like. I just, just tonight in group, you told me that your daughter that was given a diagnosis of bipolar. How do I know it's not true? Now, you know that your daughter went through childhood sexual abuse and you know that Nebuch in the I can't give away too much details, but but in a facility, she was raped. So what do you think she's going to look like? Of course, someday she's going to be hyper and someday she's going to be depressed. When they're saying bipolar, they're saying her behavior is, you can call it bipolar. But she did not have a regular healthy life and got struck by lightning that Hashem gave her a disease called bipolar. No, she looks like it. Our kids look like their anxiety. They have anxiety, but not the machla of anxiety. They have anxiety because of the trauma they went through. How do you know? You don't know. And if you ask kids, they don't tell. They, they bury it. And it's a whole complicated thing. So I had to now deal with this. Somebody telling you their deepest, darkest secret, I don't know anything in this world that I can compare it to. That, that, took their whole life, and they've been through hell. Some of these kids, shmad, converted to different religions. Some of them were were homeless, were thrown out of home. Some of them lived in psych wards. Some of them, I mean, just try to imagine that happening to you, and you're a victim, and it's not your fault, and everybody thinks you're bad. Of course you want to kill yourself. It's so painful. So I had to hold their pain and, and cry with them. And, and tell them, thank you for sharing this with me. Don't ask. Become a safe person and they will share with you when they can. And then after going through that long amount of time, which, 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 which should be decades of hugging them, of, 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 of holding their pain, after whatever it was, a half hour, an hour, whatever it was, whenever I was able to say something, the first thing I would tell them after Showing them, as much as possible, I feel your pain as much as I can. I mean, I can't. I can't. I, I don't know what it's like to be, to be a patient of Dr. Mengele. She should drop dead in whatever, you know. You can't even imagine. I, I break out in hives thinking about, about, about this. And it was usually a brother or an uncle or a neighbor or a cousin or someone in shul and if, it's horrible. It's a horrible. You machshimam. We can't even kill them because sometimes the parents would kill this their, their 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 other son. But what I would try to tell them as soon as I could tell them anything, I would tell them we're gonna we have to take revenge. And they would look at me like, "What are you like? What are you thinking? Should, do you mean that I should kill him? I should expose him?" They were confused. So the first revenge is we're not going to let this guy ruin your life. We're not going to let this guy control you. You got to get your life back. Because if you kill yourself, he wins. If you have, if if you're miserable, he wins. If you don't become successful and happy, he wins. 
The first revenge is against this monster is don't let him murder you. Like a kid told me, if that if you kill somebody, at least he's dead once. But after what happened to me, I feel like I'm dying every single day. Another kid told me every night before he goes to sleep, for many, many years, over a decade, he davens to Hashem, that he, he believes in God, he's not from, but he believes in Hashem, but he can't. He says, Hashem, if you're up there and, and, and you're listening to me, please help me that I should not wake up tomorrow. And then we judge them, oh, he got a tattoo, oh, funny hair, funny haircut. They're normal. I told this, I told this to you. She's normal. Oh, thank God you told me she's normal. She's not bipolar. She's normal. I could tell you I have a thousand kids under my care. And after a few years of TP, the, the behavior changes and the diagnosis fall away. And the psych- psychiatrist world, I don't know why they don't want to come here and, and listen. I spoke to a big psychologist. No, it can't be. So it was bad diagnosis. Okay, so they all have bad diagnosis. Punct happens to be everybody who comes to me that the diagnosis is wrong. No, the answer is that you're diagnosing what the behavior looks like. Yes, they look like borderline personality disorder. They look like anxiety and depression and this and that. Like I always say, God does not give one person five diseases. If a person has heart condition, heart failure, okay. Stroke, okay. Yenamachla, cancer, okay. But if a person has cancer, diabetes, stroke, five different diseases, check the immune system. They're falling apart. If a person has depression, maybe Hashem gave them depression, even though about, look, look up at the statistics about, it's about 80% of people with depression went through childhood trauma, any kind of trauma, but childhood trauma. About, just look at the statistics of eating disorders, like 90%. Just do the math. But if a person is getting stamped every day, every psychiatrist, a different different stamp, anxiety, depression, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, all these stamps coming out, check the, check the immune system. It's trauma. Because trauma makes you look like everything. One day you're depressed, one day you have anxiety, you're scared, you have fear, you have social anxiety. Social anxiety is because of trauma. Childhood trauma wrecks your life. You're scared of your shadow, you're scared of being alone, you're scared of going out. A lot of our kids can't even sin because they don't go to bars or clubs because they're scared of people. But they, they weren't given the sickness of social anxiety by God. It's a result of what happened when they were four, five, six, seven, eight years old, usually under 10. And people don't know that. And what are you supposed to do as a parent? I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to learn about it. Don't talk to them. Don't ask them. Don't ask your kid. Look up. What are the symptoms of childhood trauma? That's part of the training. And when you see that your kid has five to 10 to 15 to 20 symptoms, even five symptoms, then you realize that, yeah, it's probably childhood trauma. And they're not safe enough to tell you. And become their best friend so they'll be safe enough. Why did they tell me? Because I earned their trust. And if you're getting upset about external stuff, they're never going to be able to tell you about their internal pain. They're like, oh, you can't even handle pink hair? You think I'm going to be able to tell you my real secret? You can't handle these piercings? There's no way. You're freaking out about the neighbors. You care about. You still care about your reputation and about the shechenim, the neighbors, and about shaduchim and 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 this and that. You don't care about me. They test you. 
when you can be really nafshei kshur, but nafshei, they will tell you. In TP, usually, when 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 you're really doing it, and I can tell if you're really doing it, and everybody else in the room can tell if you're really doing it, and you know who else can tell? Your kid. If you're really nafshei kshur, but nafshei, and if you're really trauma informed, and if you're really listening to the videos and 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 reading the stuff and becoming trauma informed in an hour, two hours a day, if you're really like a nurse in the ICU, and this is kiheim chayenu va'erichimenu, that I am going to understand trauma, and you really become an expert. They will tell you. Usually takes two to three years. Usually. And if they don't tell you ever, they're never going to get, they can't share it. They can't share it because it's, it's horrible. But I, I tried to tell them, once I finished crying with them, I tried to tell them, your revenge is not dying. Your revenge is don't hurt yourself. And, and, and we're going to get the help for you. Because you're a superhero, that you went through this and you didn't kill yourself and you didn't, and, and you're getting off drugs or they were off drugs by that time. You want revenge. You fight as much as you can that, to have a happy life. And every minute that you're happy, you're 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 burying that that monster that did this to you. You're not letting him win. Don't let them win. Don't let the monsters win. Now, it's not easy to do because if your legs are broken and I say don't let the monster who broke your legs win, get up and walk, it doesn't help. Your legs are broken. You can't walk. I understand that. So it's compassion. I have tremendous compassion for them. Rabban Shalom, what if it happened to me? Well, what, why do we think we're better? How can we judge other people? Do we know the siblings who judge their sibling? Do, they, do you understand that they went through stuff? How do you know? And some siblings, you know who the worst are? People who did go through bad stuff and they had resilience given as a gift by Hashem and they say, hey, I survived, so why are you making such a big deal out of it? I'm still sneeze, so, so why are you going and not sneeze? And they can't take it. If you were resilient and you didn't break down, it's a gift from Hashem. Don't take your gift and use it to look down at other people. It could have been you. It could have been switched. Your sibling could have been the resilient one and you could be the one who wants to die and needs to numb their pain with drugs. Drugs is to numb your pain. That's why they do drugs. Not because it's so good and there's such a baltaiva and, and, and they can't stop. There's no such thing. It's not 1980. We have data. Nobody does drugs on a constant basis unless they want to die. Unless the drugs is keeping them from hurting themselves. Drugs is not the enemy. Pain is the enemy. Sometimes parents say, I want him to stop drugs. They say, okay, if you could press a button and he'll stop taking drugs, but he'll take, he'll have the pain that those drugs, that those drugs that he's taking is causing him to numb. Are you sure you want that? On your shoulders, what will he do or she do with that pain? Would you rather they cut their flesh? Would you rather they, God forbid, other things? Our job is to take away pain. And parents and family, until they get helped, can take away pain like we take away pain of people who have physical illness. We make them smile as much as possible. Put light and life and fun as much as you can into their life. At the very least, you're going to a very sick person who had a horrible life and making them smile and giving them something to look forward to. That I'm going on a trip, I'm going to Disneyland or Cancun. And give them, their brain has unearned 
darkness and depression and pain. Shouldn't they get unearned great stuff? They're worried about that they're going to be spoiled. You don't get spoiled. You're trying to balance a little bit, a little bit, no matter how much you do for your kid. You're never going to be doing more than 1% of the years of pain that they went through. Years of when everyone goes to sleep at night and sleeps and they're tossing and turning and they can't fall asleep and they can't get up and they can't concentrate. You know how many kids have learning disabilities because they couldn't concentrate? Not because they were given a learning disability by Hashem, but as a result of childhood sexual abuse or trauma, and it's usually sexual abuse, unfortunately, and it makes them not be able to concentrate, and then they're taking pills from ADD and ADHD. If you have kids that they hated the pills, it's because the pills was a, a medicine for something that they don't have. If you don't eat all day, and you say, oh, I have such a headache, you need a bowl of cereal, not Tylenol. You take Tylenol, it'll make your headache go away, and the next day, your headache is worse. Now, all these pills have, they, they, they medicate the brain. They hold down the brain from being hyper, let's say. But if you're hyper because you're on fire, because you're being molested by your older brother or your uncle, or you're being triggered, whatever it is, and, and you can't express yourself, it makes you want to bust. So we give more medication, and we get angry at the kid. It's not, not your fault, wonderful parents who went through this. You went through hell. It's the Chine Rebbe Reblazes said, these children are a carbon seabor and the parents are a carbon seabor because none of you did anything to deserve this, not your kid and not you. If Koppelman Zatzal said the same thing, there's no avera you could have done to deserve to have kids in so much pain. There's no avera that your kids could have done to deserve this. We don't understand why this is happening. It's some kind of a Gilgal some people say, some tzaddikim say that these are very holy neshamas and they accept it upon themselves to come down and suffer, to atone for Klal Yisrael's sins. I don't know. I don't know anything. I just know that they're in so much pain and they're so good. Just like me and all the good people on the street that are loving these kids and see their goodness, you as parents and brothers and sisters and family and aunts and uncles must do the same. And the only reason you don't is because you love them and you care and it's a reflection of you and you're worried about that and your ego and your ego and your ego and I don't blame you, it's normal. But you have to save your kids. You got to throw all that away and you got to be there for your kids and you have to say, this is my tafkid in this world that Hashem gave me this neshama within reach. It's my niece, it's my nephew. I'm going to bond with them. It's my cousin. You're not allowed to ignore them. It's a lav in the Torah. Give them as much fun and light and light life as you can. Fun. That's the medicine. Undeserved fun. Don't worry about spoiling them. Be there for them. Don't turn your back on them. The ultimate revenge for the victims is be happy. Don't let him, don't let him take away tomorrow. How? There's a lot of, there's a lot of Treatments these days for trauma. I, I don't even know. That's not my field. But go out and find it. There's somatic experiencing. There's stuff that you don't have to talk. It's not like talk therapy. And there's a lot of stuff that, that's out there. But you have to fight for your life. Don't let them win. That should be the drive. I'm not going to let him take away tomorrow. I'm not going to let him take away. I will be happy. I will be happy. I will, I will think about all the things that I lost out. And I will fight back 
to get back those things in my life. As far as the actual revenge and all of that, I leave that for other people. It's not my sugya. It's not my, not my category of, of how to deal with that. But that's what I try to impart unto them. You're going to live a happy life. You're going to have to work for it. And, and, and it's, it's hell. It's hard. And it's a lot of hard work to become functional and to get off drugs. And your motivation has to be, I'm doing this to get back at the guy who stabbed me. And that can give you strength. And the only way to ever, ever make any sense of the pain that you've been through is to get healthy enough to help other people. So many victims become therapists and trauma therapists and mentors and go out and help other people. So many of them have told me, I would never wish this on my biggest enemy. But after they made it through to life and they put back their life together piece by piece and they became somebody who who has compassion and non-judgmentalism, non, they don't judge other people, and they're pure and they're beautiful, they're innocent, that they, that they don't look down on other people. They have such great midos. And they're able to help other people. And they're able to go out and save lives. They tell me, even though I would never wish it on anybody and I would never want to go through that pain again, but I'm making, I'm using my pain as my life's mission to help other people. It's the only way to make any sense of it. And these people, these victims are our heroes. And they're even our heroes spiritually because they all hang, they held on as long as they could and they're doing whatever they can. And we should stay out of their ruchnius business. Like a father told a kid something about, you know, oh, you machal Shabbos, it's bad, you know, the Torah, Hashem. And the kid said, don't get in, in between me and God. We, we have a cheshbin, we have, we have an account that goes back a long time and he started with me. Because Nabuch, he was, he was, he was hurt at, at five, six years old. And, and he begged Hashem and he davened, we don't go there. Don't blame. Don't judge anybody. Just open your arms. Open your heart. Whenever you see somebody struggling, don't think you're better than them. Have another. And if, you, if you're better than them, it's not because of you. Say, thank you, Hashem, that I don't have that struggle. Thank you, Hashem, that I don't have that struggle. Because if, if you would have gone through what they would have gone through, it could have been you. Be pure. Be innocent in your looking at other people. Stop judging other people. And that's a tikkun for sin aschinam. Ahav aschinam. Because they're right. Because they're right. Yes, they're right. But what do you mean he's doing this aver? You're also doing averis. And you're also right. Ein adam elim by the Gemara says. How do you want yourself to be held accountable? As a Russia or as someone who's trying, but you're not perfect and, and you're not so strong and you're weak and you make mistakes and, you, and you're sorry for them and you're doing the best that you can. The way that you feel about yourself, that's the way that you judge other people. And the way you judge other people is the way Hashem judges you, Kedushas Levi says in Parsha Shaftim. He says, judge other people with staka, favorably, with a lot of charity, because that's the way you get judged. You're a virus you could understand. You're okay with. You're okay. Rechilo, sparing other people, saying, saying bad about other people, hurting other people, and all the different stuff that you do. That's okay. But that person's a virus. 
I can't tolerate. Believe me, what they went through is so protecting them. According to Reb Gershon Edelstein Zatzal, he says they're anusim. He doesn't say that about you. I'm not worried about their oilam ha I'm worried about our oilam ha They're not going to Gehenna for what they're doing because I'm, I, I'm not a Paisic. I'm not saying, Avi says nobody goes to Gehenna. Yeah, I say nobody goes to Gehenna. Nobody that I ever met goes to Gehenna. Some people watching and, and criticizing me. Yeah, maybe you. I don't know. Criticizing, criticizing, criticizing without knowing facts. But these kids, I never, not, I could tell you all the kids that I worked with and that I helped are not going to go to Gehenna. And they're right. Look at the proof. Look at the home sweet home kids a year later. When they were dealt with properly, they came from and they did mitzvahs. They all did mitzvahs. They all did more for Hashem from, from where they were. The, the, the Zara Kaddish says, Praise that comes from far away is more precious to the king. I, I bet on them 100%. Not because I was born this way and I love everybody. I wish I was. No, but because I, I just didn't know when I started working one kid, two kids, three kids, 20, 30, 40, then working with parents over to, I'm doing this 20 years. They are good. They are really our best, brightest, smartest, sweetest, most sensitive, caring, wonderful, nishamas, chelakilakami, maomamish, who have been hurt and hurt and they still outperform us every day. And those people that judge don't understand them. Because if you understood them, you wouldn't judge them. And I feel bad for you that you're judging other people. You should be so busy fixing yourself, you shouldn't have time to judge anybody else. Work on yourself. Look in the mirror. Are you all Rebchaim Kanievsky? You're all Mem Nun Shari Tahara? You're doing the best that you can? You have time to look at other people? Oh, why, why is she sneeze? Why did he have to come to the wedding like that? Why does her hair have to be pink? Why does the thing... Look in the mirror. Deal with yourself. The Nesiva Shalom says, Musr and Chasidus is for you, not for other people. People learn Musr and they start giving other people Musr. People learn Chasidus and they start trying to get everybody else. That's for you. For other people, you look at with compassion. That's the way that tzaddikim looked. They say story of Chaim Kanievsky, somebody stole thousands and thousands of dollars of checks that were in his, people gave to Tzedakah. And the police came to interview and to try to, try to inspect and to try to figure out who stole the money. So somebody asked Reb Chaim, you could tell on people's faces, you know, you could tell people's faces who's, who's uh, straight and who's a ganaf. Why don't you just tell us who the ganaf is? And he smiles and goes, Do you know how many ganavim are, 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 are um, draining around this? I don't know how to say this in English. You know how many ganavim are here? And he gave a big smile. He saw all of our Averis. Did he throw anybody out? He knew Chachmas parts of you saw you're a Ganef, you're a Baal Taiva, and you're a Baal Gaiva, and you're a Baal this, and a Baal that, and a Baal this, and a Baal that. Tzadikim didn't throw us away. And compared to, to him, 
We are much further than those kids are from us, regular regular people. To the tzaddikim, and then they didn't. They look with compassion. Look at the Gershon Edelstein Zatzal. He says they're anusim. Look at the chazanish, the way he looked at them. All the tzaddikim, the chesidish, the litvish, it doesn't matter. They looked at them as nebuch. They're going through a hard time. Stopping their judge and jury and deciding we have to we have to throw them away on such an avera. I'm going to defend Hashem. All of a sudden, everybody thinks they're pinchas. Everybody's looking for the spear. Everybody wants to stab other people. Don't take out the spear because maybe it'll be used on you. That's what the Kedusha Slavi says. The way you're going to get judged in Rosh Hashanah is given over in your hands. Because it goes by the way that you judge other people. You better be careful then to judge the other people. Mishpat Tzedek, not righteous, correct, Tztaka, compassion, extra. When you see them sinning, say, must be, has a good reason. That's the way that Tzadikim, Rabbi Lebel's he saw somebody driving on Shabbos, he says, Oi, they must be driving, they must have an emergency going to the hospital. Tzadikim didn't want to see Chet, they didn't want to see Averis. They went in the footsteps of Hashem Lahibit Avam Biyakov Lira Amal Biyisrael Hashem Alikavi Moi. They didn't want to see Chet. And regular people, they're looking so excited, Ki'ilu, to see, oh, and he did this wrong, and she did this wrong, and he did this wrong, and she did this wrong, and, and oh, you heard about this, and this guy, and you're busy with everybody else's Averis. Close your mouth. Stop talking bad. No, I didn't judge. People don't even realize how judgmental they are. All you have to do is close your brain and open your heart. What would the Kedusha Slavi do today? What would the Baal Shem Tev do today? What would the Chazanish do today? When they will go on the street, to the lakes, to the, to the parks, to the 7-Elevens, open up your arms. Invite them. These are our kids. We're going through an emotional holocaust. Rahman al-Atzlan. Have Rahmanas on their parents, the great the, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, the great-great-great-great-grandparents in Shemayim who are saying, somebody care about my kid. No, look the other way. Look at them like, uh, uh. Yeah, then they develop an attitude against you. All the organizations that were opened up against Klal Yisrael are, are from people that were rejected. How do I know? I can say it because we have a thousand TP kids and none of them are on these, in, the, in these organizations. Not one. As of today. And the ones who were left, and they know it. The organizations know it. They, they, they know it. Everybody knows it. Because love is the only tool, the only weapon that is stronger than hate. Ki aza kamaves ahava. Love is stronger, is as strong as death, says the stiplers. That's how. What does it mean? Love is as strong as death. He says, just like nothing could stop death, when it's time, Rahman al-Tzlan, for someone to pass away, nothing could stop it. So too says the stipler, Reb Chaim Kanigevsky's father, the Heliga stipler. Nothing could stop love. And he wasn't a kumzitz guy. And he wasn't a, a, a Breslover or a Kalbach guy. He was the stipler. 
Nothing could stop love. Why don't we listen to our tzaddikim? I want to add, when somebody, when Nebuchadnezzar or an adult, somebody is suicidal and they want to die, nothing could stop that besides the only thing that is as strong as death is love. Only your love could stop somebody from committing suicide. Only your love. It's all we have. And sometimes the pain is so bad, the machla is so bad that even that doesn't work. But Baruch Hashem, I could say, as of now, we never had a suicide. Thousand kids who wanted to die and were on drugs, many suicidal eating disorders, bliyan her, bliyan her, bliyan her. How? Your love is the only thing that is as strong as death. So when death is going over a person that they're saying, why should I live? I have such a broken self-esteem. I was used. I have no value. Nobody's going to want to marry me. God God left me. They feel that Hashem left them because they dive into Hashem and their life fell apart and my family hates me and doesn't like me and I'm the black sheep and I couldn't and I can't. But really I know I'm good and I'm smart and I, and, and I, I should be winning this race and meanwhile I'm in a wheelchair of life. And I feel like I want to die. The only thing that is as powerful as that feeling of death is Ahava, love. That's what the tzaddikim taught us. And that's why the Baal Shem Tev, the Chazanish, and all the tzaddikim of all the years said that the only thing that we should be doing with these kids or adults, anybody who goes off to Derek is love. That's why I put together a collection of thousands in Raising Royalty. And you read the way that Tzaddikim dealt with from all types of chinuch is in there, but including crisis chinuch. What did the Nesiva Shalom say to do? Why can't we listen to him? Everybody respected the Nesiva Shalom. Everybody. Master mechanach of the Dor after the, after the Holocaust. Beloved by the Chesidah Shevelt. Beloved by the Litzah Shevelt. Reb Shach Zatzal said that the Nesiva Shalom is the Mesilis Yisharim of our Dor. And he was very close to Rebavad Yosef Zatzal. And the Sfardim loved him. Everybody loved him. And he says, what should you do when you see that your child is going off the derech, is getting involved in shchitut, shchisus, corruption, pornography, bad stuff, or stealing from you or from other people. What should you do? He tells you what to do. Why can't you listen? If everybody would just listen, we wouldn't have suicides. We wouldn't have homeless kids. We wouldn't have kids feeling homeless, feeling like orphans, even even if they're living at home. He says he doesn't. He doesn't say what the therapy world says. Muhrachim lishloit al hayeled. You got to get a hold of that kid. He needs boundaries. He needs consequences. Don't let him in your house. Tell him he has to be in by 12 o'clock or I lock the door. He has to put on a yarmulke in your house. It's all Goyish thinking. All of it comes from the Goyim. Nesiv Shalom says, You parent, get hold of yourself. Okay, and do what? a love. And awaken towards this kid who you think is ruining your life who's breaking all your rules, who's out of control, who's being Michal Shabbos, who's eating on Yom Kippur, who's with a girl, with a boy. you got to get a hold of yourself if you want to save your kid's life. And awaken towards this kid, love and mercy, 
endless, without any boundary. People say, Ad Khan, how much can I take? Ever, forever. There's no boundary. Get a hold of yourself. This is the winning solution that I've seen work. You want, you want to know what works? Of course it's hard. Look at the video I have with Reb Gershon Zatzal. He said the same thing, Kavid and Yedidus. Kavid v'yedidus, that means that a boy comes in with a girl to your house and she's not sneeze and he has piercings and he's not wearing yamka and he's eating a, 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 a McDonald's cheeseburger and he's smoking on Shabbos and you should give him honor and respect and friendship. Look what Reb Gershon Zatzal said. He said, yeah, you don't have a choice. That's the only way you're going to get him back. I said, should you tell him, no, you can't do this in the house? You can't have Gimel Averis Chamuris in your house? He said, Chas V'Shalom. God forbid, don't say, get out of my house. You can't do this in my house. And people say it about a yarmulke. In my house, you have to wear a yarmulke. In my house, in my house, in my house. You could do whatever you want. It doesn't work. It doesn't fix the disease. It doesn't fix the problem. All of this is coming from inner pain. They have a hole in their heart, Right? And you're making it bigger and bigger and bigger by looking down at them. I have to control them. They don't know? You think they're stupid? They didn't grow up in your house? They don't know all this? They all of a sudden became chutzpinyaks? They became bad-natured? They became selfish and manipulators? Yeah, it looks like that. You want to fix it? Get a hold of yourself and awaken love and mercy to this kid. Even more than you did until now. That's the medicine. It's hard. It's harder to bury your child. It's harder that your kid's living on the street and you don't know where he is. It's harder to spend the rest of your life wondering what happened to your kid. It's harder for the other kids to know Maishi's not around anymore and Khani's not around anymore and they, they kill themselves and they have to bury them to so go, 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 go find them. They're dead or they're living dead or they're homeless or they're thrown out. Yeah, this is a lot easier than all of that and cheaper. And it works. I could say it works. And you could have a happy family. You need to be under guidance, not watching videos, under real personal guidance. And you could, your families could be happy like you guys. You could walk around with a smile. We have a, we have a, a sickness. It's very painful. But we have a solution. And you're under guidance and you have chevra and you're in it together and you daven for each other. And with that, we can save every single Jew. And no Jew will be left behind. Not by us. Not by us. And those people, they go against Astaira and they listen to the Gaisha mentality of rules and boundaries and don't enable and all these things that, are, that make the problem worse. And because of that mentality, there's so many dead kids, suicides and overdoses, and costing so much money, wasting money in therapy, and in Utah in boot camps, how much you guys spent $200,000 in boot camps is that, that didn't work. And they're all self-righteous. Avi Fischoff is crazy. We're right. And meanwhile, we're not twice as successful, ten times more successful. And they don't, they don't, some of them come here and they look, they learn. A lot of mechantchem and a lot of rabbanim and a lot of therapists come here and they talk and they learn. They see, hey, this medicine is more than the, the, than the professor in, in college who taught us based on Gaisha stuff what to do, which doesn't work. 
And a lot of therapists gave the information. They're good people, and they see it doesn't work, and they stop, and they say, I don't know what to do. But how, they, don't, they don't tell them to, to do what the Chazanish said. No, they, to, to, to try to pull the child in emotionally with cords of love. That's a lot of love. You can't do that while you're criticizing and making rules and contracts with them and looking down at them. You can't do it. And then he says, God forbid, don't reject them. You're rejecting them. How do you know? They're not around. They feel rejected. Rejection is in the heart of the beholder. They feel rejected. If they feel rejected, you didn't listen to the Chazanish. Yeah, but I had to because and convince themselves for the other kids so they take a problem and they make it bigger and bigger and bigger and it goes on for four years, five years, six years and you think it's good for the other kids to live in that atmosphere of stress and anxiety and fighting with the parents fighting with each other and crying and, and that's good for the parents? No. Tell them what Rav Steinman said, Zatzal. Tell them what exactly what the G'daylam said to do. Follow the prescription and you don't have any problems. And it works. It's like Klai Yisrael got this black cloud that came over us, and we, we like as if no Godel ever said anything. Every Godel said, every Godel. Rav Pam said what to do. He wrote it in Meirut Tzedek. Why does American Jewry not know what Rav Pam said thirty years ago at a Terry Mitzvah convention? He's not enough of a Godel. And those of us that follow what Rav Pam said, we have to defend ourselves. To who? To you out there who are following the world of therapy that is teaching you what the Goyim taught them from a professor who learned how to do this by experimenting and doing research on Goyim and they're going to tell us how to raise our kids and and we are the on the defense? And people in your family say, oh, this is crazy. It's crazy? Show them what Rav Palm said. He's crazy? Show them what the Chazanish said. He's crazy? Show them what the Baal Shem said. All of the G'daylim, they're all crazy, and you, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, mother-in-law, it's usually an in-law, or brother or sister, you know what to do? Just tonight they were telling me. My sister-in-law told me, oh, if you wouldn't do this, then you're doing it wrong. They don't have a kid off the derech. They have no idea what to do. They never saved anybody. And he's causing such sorrow to these parents. I said, why are you even talking about this? If your kid had cancer, would you be listening to advice from someone who never healed cancer? Say, my dear Chaver, my dear friend, my dear relative, I love you very much. Before I listen to your very wise advice, sounds very good, like as if I didn't think of throwing the kid out or, or smacking him or, or punishing him. You think that wasn't my instinct? You think I enjoy this? But it sounds very good. Yeah, I should make rules and lock the door. I hear. Mm-hmm. Before I do this, I just have one question. Did you ever save anybody like my kid, like I'm describing? And just wait for the silence. Don't say a word. You'll see how long it, it could be quiet. Chutzpah. Giving advice when you never saved a kid. Chutzpah. Criticizing someone who saved kids when you never saved kids. Chutzpah. Even if you saved kids using your medicine to think that somebody else can't have better medicine or equal medicine. Chutzpah. Chutzpah. But people saying criticism when they never helped anybody? That's the craziest thing I ever heard. Just, just let it be silent. Did you ever help anybody? Why don't you go save five kids? Don't, don't say it right away. Let it be five minutes of quiet. Save five kids using your strategy and then I'll listen to you. Giving advice when you don't know, 
and you wouldn't do it, you wouldn't bet $5,000 on your advice. You have no proof, but, you, but you're going to criticize and hurt more people, and that's okay. That's not a sin to cause somebody tzar and agmas nefesh. No, that's not a sin. You're busy with the, with the, this other kids. You're busy with everyone else's sins. Be busy with your own sins. Hashem should help us. We're the majority. We should realize this is happening to Klal Yisrael to a small percentage, not so small, unfortunately, to wake us up, to get us out of Golas, to learn what a Havas Yisrael really is, to be down like Havas to really, really love a neshama and not believe that they're fadarbin and it's too late for them and nobody can come back. We have stories here. Your story, your story, so many stories, miracles. Everybody wrote these kids off. Everybody wrote off your kid. If I would tell the story of that their kid and what everybody said after what he did five, six years ago, and now, Shemitah Mitzvahs. And it's nice of you to come to give chizuk. You have to come here at least once a year. When, once you're successful, to give chizuk to the new to the new crowd. Thank you also for coming. Yeah, give chizuk that your kid got off drugs and your kid became from and your kid is a, a, a got out of an eating disorder and your kid is not suicidal. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, we have a success. But we're the minority, and we have to defend ourselves. And we're the extremists. No, it's not extreme to throw your kid out of the house, lock him out, send him off to boot camp to learn how to wipe himself, excuse me for talking this way, with leaves because he has to earn the right to use toilet paper and cost $120,000. That's not extreme. To follow the chazanish to the T. And all the gedolim, and, and, and Begershon Edelstein, we ask him so many questions, we follow him. And all the tzaddikim, we follow, we are extreme. An upside down world. It's very, very easy for family members to criticize so they don't have to do the work. Instead of going out and being a car of this kid and saving his life and being a part of the solution, much easier to say, oh, he's looking for attention. Don't give him attention. Somebody, somebody told the parent, your kid threatened to kill himself, he just wants attention. Don't give in. Don't give him attention. Shugana. Are you qualified? What school did you go to to say that? How many people who were suicidal did you save? You're giving advice to someone on how to deal with a kid who's suicidal? You're not embarrassed of yourself? What if, what if the, the parent listens to you and the kid kills himself? What are you going to say? Oops. Oh, I guess you should have given him attention. I guess he really, I didn't think he, I didn't, I, I, what are you going to say? Why do you have to comment? Why does everybody have an opinion? Why can't you say, I don't know? Person should get used to saying, I don't know. How many times do you hear from me, I don't know? If I feel I know based on my experience, I say I know and I say it because I have experience. And I'll tell you where I got it from. I'll tell you my true story that I learned it from and my, my, my percentages of being correct. But if it's anything else, you'll hear me all the time. I say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And every day I say, I don't know. I don't know about anything else except for what I know. And I only know it because I lived it, lived it, and lived it, and lived it, and learned, learned from experience of what works. And that's, that's why so many G'dayli Adar call me up and ask me. And there's still like one or two G'daylim bad-mouthing me, who never met me, who never sat here, 
who don't understand me, make up stories, believe what other people say, exaggerations. No, I don't give people trafe. Here you go. Here's a coupon to McDonald's and go be, tell your kids to do Averis and ruin the rest of the family and destroy Kal Yisrael. Why, if that, why would I do that? Well, there's a lot of very good, well-meaning people who make tremendous mistakes and they really mean, you mean well, but you could be making tremendous mistakes. Okay. So all the G'daylam who, who send people to me over and over and over again, many of them for 15 years already, they are all also making mistakes. They don't know that the people that they sent were helped and that's why they keep on sending new people. You don't trust them either. The Rabbanim who wrote letters saying that I'm qualified to diagnose and to give and to prescribe and that my way works. Big Rabbanim. So you could have a Rav. Who says he's bigger? But let's say he's bigger. So don't come to me. I, I don't let anybody come to me if their Das Terror doesn't send them. You need to have a letter. But you're going you're gonna to push away all the G'daylam that check me out, that work with me, that admire the work that I'm doing. Kedas Moshevi Yisrael. That we do everything here. The parents sign a contract that they're not going to do anything without asking their Rav. The Rav has to write a letter. I don't pass in anything ever without, not just my G'dayim, with the families, and you're going to criticize that and, and, and make up lies and then people don't come to get help because they hear. And, and, and that's okay. And that's okay. But the parents who are fighting to save their kids' lives according to their Das Terah, they're extreme. It's our wake-up call to learn the sugya. And to really open our hearts to true Ahavas Yisrael. And to never give up on any Jew. It's enough for tonight. Hashem should help us not to hurt anybody. We should all be zaycha to see Yeshua's. L'ma'ala midarech ha-teva. L'ma'ala midarech ha-teva. That's what Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetzki Shlita Merosh Shiva. From the first minute that I opened Home Sweet Home, when I, before I opened, 20 years, he's my Das Teira. He's not good enough for you. Not good enough. All the, all the people who signed and who've sent people who I sat with and I said, how should I deal with this and this and this and this and this? I went over everything. No, no matter how many letters I have, not good enough for some people that you talk bad and you, you discourage people. Hard to believe. It's a big Nisayan for me, but I hope I'll be Ayman bin Nisayan to be Meichel I could be Meichel but I don't know people who don't come to me because of what you said. How could you make it up to them? Okay, we're going to talk only positive on, on, on Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael is good. Everybody's trying to do good. We're all learning. Everybody has their weakness. Everybody knows their own. Levi de Maris Nafshe. So whatever our weakness is, we should work on it. And those whose weakness is that they talk Lashon Hara and Mechilos and they give ideas and opinions that hurt people, we should all work on ourselves. Yeah.